All right, good morning. How are we? Good? All right, well, we're going to talk this morning about Satan in church. Y'all all all right? We're going to talk about what does the Bible say about Satan. Uh, If you have your bulletin, you should have gotten one of these. It's the promo card for what we're going to be doing for the next uh, nine weeks. And today, we're going to walk through the first part of Ephesians chapter 6, beginning in verse 10. And this is a series called The Warrior, talking about when we serve God, when we follow God, we are the ones who would be put in this uniform. We have here on stage a full Roman uh, set of armor, uh, minus the, uh, the greaves that you would put over the, the shins and the calves. <clears throat> The Bible gives us a picture that when we get saved, that when we sign up to follow God, we are made into warriors who will combat Satan in his plans to deceive us, to lie to us, and ultimately try to get us to not believe or disbelieve in the Lord who is real. So Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10, the Bible says, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of His might. Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes or the wiles, the tricks of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. Therefore, verse 13, take up the whole armor of God so that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand firm. Now we hear a lot in our culture about Satan. There's a lot of stuff that's simply not true. Uh, Some of us, when we hear the word the devil or Satan, we think of a red guy with a goatee with little horns on the top and a tail that's pointed at the end. You ever seen that? Some people will say things like, when their washer breaks, when a belt just goes bad, well, the devil's in my washing machine. Well, I think that Satan has a better things to do in a devious sense than be involved in hampering our washing machines. There's bigger plans that he has than that. As some people will, will say when they do something wrong, well, the devil made me do it. How many of you have ever heard that before? Right? Like the devil, right? He did it. If we go back to Genesis chapter 3, when God called out, Adam, Adam, after Adam and Eve had disobeyed God, and Adam, where are you? And, and Adam, Adam says, well, well, the woman that you gave me, right? He pointed. And then, and then what did Eve do? She, she pointed at the serpent. She pointed at uh, Satan. She said, he made me do it. So, what does the Bible actually say about Satan? You've got the list there on, um, on the outline, and we're just going to walk through this uh, step by step. First of all, we need to understand that Satan, the devil, is not in a boxing match with God. Amen, church? Some people have this picture like Jesus and Satan are in this boxing rink and they're, they're slipping jabs at one another, trying to throw right hooks. You know, but Jesus, because he's Jesus, he's the one who's able to defeat Satan. They are not equal in any sense. 
You've got the verses there and we're not going to go through them. But what some people confuse, some people think that Jesus, you know, the Son of God is is light and He's the good and Satan is the opposite factor who is the bad. You've got in there in your notes, this is an ancient false teaching called dualism or Manichaeism. Manichaeism, which says, it's kind of like any Star Wars fans here. A few, alright? It's basic, this is really weird, like when you investigate Star Wars. It's almost like an ancient Star Wars religion. Because you've got the Force, which the Force can be good, but the Force is a Force, right? The Force is not a person. Like the Force is not going to come into human flesh and die on a cross for your sins, like Jesus did. Alright? So, so we gotta be very careful that we don't think that Satan is the bad guy, you know, the bad force, and Jesus is the good force, and they're just, I mean, they are going at it. Spiritual warfare is God holding up His shield, and God taking His own word and trying to kill demons. That's not it at all. Satan is not in a boxing match with God. In fact, the Bible tells us that Satan is a created being. If you want to mark this down in your Bibles, Isaiah chapter 14, verses 12 through 21. The Bible says that Satan, when he was created, was created as a beautiful, angelic type of being. Now, Isaiah chapter 14 is also given to picture the king of Babylon who was a picture of Satan. And what happened, the Bible says in Isaiah, that Satan said in his, in his inner being, I will be like the Most High. That literally translates to our language, I want the job of God. <laughs> he wanted to be like God, but the job was not available, so Satan got mad. He tried, desired to be God, but he was actually cast out of heaven. So Satan literally was trying to cause a mutiny in heaven. So what happened there, um, if you have your Bibles, go with me to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10. And Jesus kind of kind of pictures um, what uh, happened with Satan and the rebellion. Alright? So Satan's try, he's there, he desires in heaven to be like God. God says, no, I am God. And it's not God saying that because he's trying to be egotistical or trying to be the big guy on the block, but simply, God is the greatest. There is no one like God. So Satan was cast out of heaven, and Jesus says in Luke chapter 10, verse 17, there were 72 men who... Um, Disciples who returned to Jesus, and they said, Lord, even the demons are subject to us in your name. And he said to them, I saw Satan fall like lightning from heaven. Behold, I have given you authority to tread on serpents and scorpions, and over all the power of the enemy. Serpents and scorpions there, Jesus is giving as a picture. See, those kind of represent evil and their desire to uh, do us harm. And he said, nothing shall hurt you. Nevertheless, verse 20, do not rejoice in this, that the Spirits are subject to you, but rejoice that your names are written in heaven. So Satan was cast out of heaven. And what happened, the Bible says in the book of Revelation, that a third of the angels also rebelled against God and were cast out. 
Um, how many of you have seen The Lord of the Rings? Alright? In The Lord of the Rings, you've got things that are called orcs. And orcs, if you read J.R.R. Tolkien's writings, they were basically elves that turned evil. That's somewhat of an illustration that demons are actually angels who rebelled against God and they became perverted and twisted so that they are now um, against God. So what happened is Satan came into the garden, he tempted Eve to disobey God, and sin entered into the world. So secondly, there on your notes, not only is Satan not in a boxing match with God, but Satan is not omnipresent or omniscient. That means that Satan does not have all power and he doesn't have all knowledge. In the book of Job, in the first chapter, there were angelic beings who were there towards God, and Satan came to present himself towards God, and God asked him, you know, because God knew, but He just wanted Satan to say, said, what have you been doing? And Satan said, I have been going to and fro on the earth. So Satan is not like God. He can't see everything at once. Satan does not have total power. In fact, Satan wanted to kill Job, a righteous man who loved God, but God said, Satan, I will allow you to take away his possessions, but don't touch his life. Don't touch his health. So Satan only was able to do what God allowed Satan to do. Also, Satan is a deceiver. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14, and also in our text here this morning, it says that in verse number 11, that we may be able to stand, the reason why we put on the armor of God, against the schemes or the wiles, the tricks of the devil. Now, some people have asked Jeff, I want you to tell me, are ghosts real? Some of us remember being children of the 80s and growing up with Ghostbusters. Right? You got Shaggy and, and that, that whole group um, that looked more like a, a, a group of losers when we look back at it. But we watched that show, and, and what does the Bible say about ghosts? Well, the Bible is very clear that when a person dies, if they are saved, if they have repented of their sin and they follow Christ, then their spirit goes to be in the presence of God. If a person has rejected the grace of God and is not saved, their soul goes or their spirit goes to a place called Hades or what we know as hell. Now hell will one day, according to the book of Revelation, be cast into the lake of fire, which is the second death. So people say, but, 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 there, but there are hauntings. Sometimes... This is in the Bible. This is, we're going to talk about some stories here in just a few moments. There can be areas where Satan has authority because people have given him authority through various things. We're going to talk about some of those. And there could be some type of a demonic manifestation appearing as a person. Because the Bible says that Satan is the angel of light. Satan desires his whole nature is that of a liar. In fact, people today have sometimes what's called spirit guides. And often these spirit guides get around to telling these people that you can get to God by following your spirit guide and being a good person so you don't need Jesus. Are Christians influenced by spirits? If you're a Christian, if you've been truly saved, I mean you've been saved, 
The Holy Spirit lives within you and we follow the leadership of the Holy Spirit. So we don't need to seek spirit guides. Um, some people say, now Jeff, what about palm readers or fortune tellers? Um, I, I thought that there a few years ago, you know, you're younger, you go to the Chinese restaurant and you, you sit down and I was born in 1980, so I figured out I was a monkey, right? Some of you are dogs, some of you are chickens, some of you are boars and cows. And you look at that description like, wow, that, that's a little, that, that seems like, I, I think I am a monkey. Until you go with the rest of your friends who were also born in 1980, who have totally different personalities. Some people go to a, a, a palm reader to, to read the palm of their hand. I love what David Platt did in New Orleans in the French Quarter. Him and his ministry team, they saw all of these seances and fortune tellers and palm readers. So he said, I got an idea how we can share the gospel this way. We're going to go set up a booth and we're going to have on the front, we'll tell your fortune for free. It's a good idea. Some of y'all are like, that's a terrible idea, Brother Jeff. How can Christians ever tell the future of someone? This is what they did. They asked the question, so do you consider yourself to be a good person? Most people say, sure. And they say, well, have you kept the Ten Commandments? Well, I'm not sure. Have you ever told a lie? Oh, yeah, you know, maybe. All right, what, what does that make you? Person, sinner, a liar, right? Good. Have you ever uh, stolen anything, even if it's small? Well, what does that make you? A, a thief. And so, is that a good person? And then they realize that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And Dave Platt and his group would say, your future doesn't look too bright. <laughs> and then they'd share the gospel. Isn't that a cool idea? We can all tell someone's future. Every single one of us here this morning. We can tell each other's future, say, if you have been saved, doesn't matter what happens in your life, doesn't matter if your dog goes crazy and bites you, if you lose your job, if your house gets destroyed, that Jesus has saved your soul and one day He's going to take you to heaven to be with Him forever. But if you reject the grace of Jesus Christ, the only other option that you have given yourself is the judgment of God, which He does not want to give, that He did on Christ. So if you come to Christ in faith, you will be saved. That's the future. Amen, church? That's truth. And I want so much... I I haven't done it, but sometimes I've wanted to go to some of these fortune-telling places and and just to ask them, ask the fortune-teller, have you ever been in an auto accident? Didn't see that one coming, did you? Get that? All right, cool. Help your neighbor out a little bit. Or just walk, I, I mean, I wouldn't do that to a lady, but if it's a guy, just walk up behind him and, and just, I mean, get him in a rear naked choke until he almost passes out and then say, what happened? Didn't you see that one coming? Not to be rude, but honestly, we've got to just do a little basic search. If you, t- if you call in and you tell them who you are, they can get on Facebook. They can do all sorts of things. It's very easy. For example, sometimes people will go to a fortune teller and they'll say, please tell me my fortune. Fortune teller will say, there will be a great event I see in your future. A dark day is looming. No joke, Einstein. April 15th comes around every single year. You know what I'm saying? I mean, you don't have to be a fortune teller to say that there's going to be stuff that happens. 
So Jeff, so is magic then bad? Let me give you a quote by a man named Richard Cavendish. He wrote the book. This is not a Christian book. Here's the book, title of the book. The Black Arts, A Concise History of Witchcraft, Demonology, Astrology, Alchemy, and Other Mystical Practices Throughout the Ages. That sounds like a good devotional. Amen? Amen not. Alright, here's what he said about the search for, um, for black magic. He said, The driving force behind black magic is hunger for power. It is rooted in the darkest levels of the mind. But it is much more than a product of the love for evil or a liking for mysterious mumbo-jumbo. And here's, here's the conclusion. He said, it is a titanic attempt to exalt the nature of man to put man in the place which religious thought reserves for God. Say, so Jeff, is witchcraft real? Can it work? Well, if you want to mark this down in your Bibles, 1 Samuel chapter 28, verse 12. Saul, the king of Israel, had been rejected by God because Saul had repeatedly disobeyed God. So here's what he did to try to find out the future. He went to a medium. A medium is a person who supposedly talks to dead people. Ever seen Lost? Remember Miles, right? Miles was the guy who could communicate, so, so the show said, to dead people. So this was a necromancer, a person who talked to the dead, a witch. So he went to this witch, and the town was named Endor, and he said, I want you to call up for me. This is, this is a Jeepers Creepers story in the Bible, alright? He said, I want you to call up for me the spirit of Samuel the prophet. So she does her thing, And then all of a sudden, from the earth, this spirit came up. And instead of doing her witch routine, this woman screamed. Why did she scream? Because she saw that it was actually the prophet Samuel. So in this one instance, God allowed... The dead to be contacted. And Samuel's pronouncement upon Saul was that he would die the very next day. Kind of freaky. Now let's ask the question, why did she scream and get scared? Well, because all of the other times she had supposedly called up the dead... It was some type of hoax or there was a demonic manifestation saying, I am your deceased relative when it in fact wasn't. And God says that witchcraft is not okay because what it does is it opens up our lives to be influenced by Satan. That's why the next point is that Satan, from John chapter 8, verse 44, is a liar. Jesus says he's the father of lies. That means that every lie originated with who Satan is. The next point. This is kind of a tough one. Satan is your father if you're not a follower of Christ. You see, now hold on, Jeff. Who are you to say... That Satan is my spiritual father if I don't follow Jesus Christ. Well, first of all, did Jeff say that or did Jesus say that? In John chapter 8, 
verse 44, Jesus is talking to the religious crowd, the people who thinks that they're saved, and Jesus says that you are children because you do not believe in Jesus. You are children of your father, the devil. Wow! I mean, you don't see that on a Christian coffee mug, do you? You don't go to the Christian bookstore and see that on a t-shirt. But Jesus said it. Now, why would Jesus say that? Well, because Jesus said, My sheep hear My voice. And if we reject Christ, we place ourselves in the area of influence of Satan. And not only that, but Satan has influence over everything that is not devoted to Christ. Also, the Bible says finally there that Satan is a loser as well as those who follow him. The Bible says in Romans chapter 16, verse 20, and the God of peace will soon crush Satan under your feet. Amen, church? That's good news. God is one. The war is over. There's just some mopping up activity that needs to take place. Revelation chapter 12, verse 11 says, and they, speaking of those who believe us, the church, they overcame him, Satan, by the word of their testimony, by the blood of the Lamb, and they did not love their lives even in the face of death. So Satan is a defeated foe. You say, Jeff, so how do I do battle with Satan? There in your notes. First of all, understand Satan's strategy. In verse number 11, it says that Satan has schemes or wiles. It says to be strong in verse 10. In whom? What's it say? Be strong in your education. Is that what it says? In the Lord. So, in order to do battle with Satan, we have to be strong in the Lord. Now, throughout the Bible... It pictures Christianity as active Christianity, not passive. We're pictured in 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 24 as runners. 1 Corinthians chapter 9 verse 26 as fighters. It's Rocky Balboa in, in Rocky 4 when he was about to fight the Russian. His wife is saying, don't do it! And I'm not going to try to imitate his voice, but he said, Adrian, I'm a fighter. That's who I am. And we as followers of Jesus Christ are called to go to war against Satan. Now that does not mean violence against people. Alright? Doesn't mean that we do any violence in the name of God whatsoever. But we take war with the lies that Satan has captured people with. And what you have here in verse, um, verses 10 all the way through the end of this passage is four times the word is repeated to stand firm. To stand firm. To stand firm. When commanders give the commands to their troops, they say, stand firm. Hold the line. And we've got to hold the line for the Lord. I remember when I was a kid, um, I was totally... like if I, were, if I were a kid, you would not have been able to keep me off of this stuff. I would have found a way to get the sword and like run out of here and start chopping trees down. Alright? When I was a kid, I was totally mesmerized by... It really concerned my mom because I was always drawing pictures of soldiers and battles and things like that. And, and I remember me and one of my buddies, we had the Christian armor. Y'all remember that? It was really big back in the 80s and 90s. Little plastic little sword, you know, plastic shield, helmet, breastplate, the greaves that go on your legs. And me and my buddy, he had the plastic sword and I had a wooden spear 
Actually, it was a stick, but, but we said that it was a spear. And we're out there playing on the edge of the woods. And uh, all of a sudden, this boy who was much older came through the woods. And he said, what are y'all doing with that, that stupid little kid stuff? And we're, I mean, we're totally in, in imaginary land. Remember how that happened when you were a kid, right? How, how that was awesome and you totally thought it was normal. And now if you do that at your job, they'll fire you, right? So we're totally like an imaginary world. We're like, we're soldiers. And he's like, those aren't even real. I've got something that's real. And the kid pulls a knife. Pulls a real knife. And me and my buddy, this is not a preacher story. Having very little sense as children, we looked at each other. And this was before Braveheart came out. We just, and we charged this kid with a plastic sword and a wooden spear. And guess what he did? His eyes got big and that joker took off. And we chased him down between the houses. And I remember as clear as day... My buddy had his sword and went whack and hit the kid on the back with a plastic sword. Score count. Coup for the Native Americans. And then he I took, I took the stick and I threw it and it hit the kid in the back. And he was like, ah! And he's running away with his real knife crying. And we were like, oh yeah! You know, warriors! Then we made a fatal mistake. Hey mom! Guess what we just did? Man, I wasn't allowed to play outside for two whole weeks. I mean, it was just like a lockdown, you know. Kids with knives, oh no, oh no. And it was a rural type of area. So the point there is to stand firm. Amen, church? Because the enemy, some of you have been hit these last few days, weeks, months, with depression, with discouragement. Many of you have been hit. Your wallet has been hit. You're like, God, I know the Harley's out of the question now, but I don't even know if I'm going to be able to make ends meet. Some of you have been said in your mind, God, I hope that I do get fired. Living in the gutter would be better than going back to my job. Have you ever felt that way before? Like, God, if I have to work with these people one more time, I'm going to make the postal worker several years ago look like a merciful man. And you just go crazy. Satan will use these situations in our lives to try to burrow a hole through our armor, but the Bible says to stand firm with what? In verse 11, put on, what does it say, part of the armor of God? What's it say? The whole set. Man, I remember several years ago, I was with a group of guys in Georgia, and we were doing some target shooting. Then a man I knew named Bob, he pulled up and he had a suitcase. And he opened up this suitcase, and I am not lying. Guess what he had inside that suitcase? He had a bazooka. It's pretty close, Kathy. It was an Uzi. And I was like, dude, is that even legal? And he's like, well... Go ahead and try it out. And it was just like, and then he brought, he brought an AR-15. He was like bringing an arsenal for us young guys to shoot. And he said, whatever's mine, whatever's here, you can shoot it. Oh my goodness, I had never held an Uzi in my hand. But he had this other gun, it was like an M16, but a pistol. I don't even know if Rambo was supposed to use that one. I mean, it was just an amazing thing. And I thought about that. I said, you know what? That's what God is telling us. Everything that is mine is yours to do battle with the enemy. So you say, now Jeff, what does it mean to put on the whole armor of God? You know what it means? In Romans chapter, write this down if you can. Romans chapter 13 
This is a huge passage. They interlock. Romans chapter 13, verses 11 through 14. I'm going to read it to you. Here's what the Bible says. Now, when I read this, think of putting on the armor and putting on Jesus. Here's what the text says. Besides this, you know that the hour has come for you to wake up. For salvation is nearer to us now than when we first believed. The night is far gone. The day is at hand. So then let us cast off the works of darkness and put on the armor of light. And here's the works of darkness. Let us walk properly as in the daytime, not in, not in orgies and drunkenness, not in sexual immorality and sensuality, nor in quarreling and jealousy. But here it is, verse 14, Romans chapter 13. But put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to gratify its desires. So when the Bible is telling us to put on the armor of God, here's what it's saying. It's saying, get saved. When you put on Jesus, when you give your life to Him, everything that He has, everything that He is, becomes yours. He's opening up the suitcase of His power, saying, here, use this to defeat the enemy. You say, now Jeff, hold on. I can't live the Christian life. That's why I'm not going to get saved because I don't want to be a hypocrite. Question, can any one of us live the Christian life? That's the whole point of the Gospel. If you're to that point saying, Jeff, bro, I've messed up everything in my life and if I got saved, I'd mess that up too. Like God would put an extra note in the Bible except for and then fill my name in because I'd mess it up. Every single one of us comes to the Lord and it is His grace that transforms us. It is His love that keeps us. Amen? It's not up to how good we can be, but it's how strong He is. And when we get saved, He's the one who puts us in Him so that the armor of God is literally the person of Jesus Christ. Santa Jeff, what are the schemes of the devil? Well... Several things, and this is very quickly there in your outline. What he will do is he will appeal to the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. I had the opportunity to intern at a church in Pensacola several years ago. And I was preaching on a Wednesday night, and a young man came and got saved. His name was Joe. And uh, Joe came and heard me preach a couple of weeks afterwards at another church on Sunday night. And I said, you got any dinner plans? He said, no. So we went over to a, we just stopped. It, it didn't really look that good. It was, it, was a, it was a restaurant. But when I walked in, I realized after a few moments that it was more than just a restaurant. Never before had I been in that situation. Have I had, and this is a man who is very newly saved. He was younger than I am. The waitresses, quote unquote, I'm, I'm going to edit this, alright? They, I have never had, looking at a menu, a waitress massage my shoulder while guiding my hand on the menu. Dressed not normally like most waitresses dress at a normal looking restaurant. Are we communicating this morning? And then Joe, he looks at me. I'm not going to tell you what he said, but he was very surprised. And at that moment, and let me just be honest, one of them did not look half bad. 
Just being real. And after a few more, we could say, signs that she was working and then she was, she was working. The Lord brought to my mind Joseph in the Old Testament. When he was tempted by the lust of the flesh, he didn't pull out his book on crazy love by Francis Chan and say, well, ma'am, on page 440, um, he gives a five-part way to deal with temptation. You know what he did? He ran. So I said, and the, by the way, the food was nasty. And if that's coming from me, if you eat my cooking, that's saying a lot. So here's what I did. I put down the money to cover the meal and a tip. And I said, bro, we got to get out of here. He's like, I know, man, but that one girl, she looks good. So I said, let's go, man. Let's go. So praise the Lord. We just went. We just went and got in the Jeep and left. Next summer, I was interning at the same church. Guess what? And, and I, another little part of the story, there's a group of dudes who look like they could rumble. All right? Who are just kind of standing over there around the area, just kind of looking over at us. I was like, I've never had a group of men look at me so many times when I'm sitting down here to eat at a restaurant. We left. Came back the next year. That place was boarded up and closed. So here's what Satan will do. Especially for us men. He will tempt us by the lust of our eyes and by the lust of our flesh. Um, if you have the internet, this, this is what I, I use. You don't have to use this. These are rules. These are tools, rather, and they're not rules. If you go to CovenantEyes.com, um, what it does is um, you pay for this service. It's very affordable. You get an accountability partner. It means that every web page that you access and email that day's uh, weblog, your friend or friends can see every site that you have visited. Bible says make no provision for the flesh. I would encourage you. Just do it. Just go home. If you've got the internet, sign up. Get on Covenant Eyes. If you use a PC, it doesn't work for a Mac, they actually have an option on there that will actually, actually, actually limit and cut out virtually all of the obscene material that you get on email every day. Have you ever done that? You're you're like, bro, I'm just checking my email so I can pay my light bill. You get an email. Want to see more? Nobody's there with us. It is more prevalent today. You don't even have to try. Back in the old days, you had to go to your friend's house and pull his dad's mattress up to find the dirty magazines, right? But today, you don't even have to do anything. It comes to you daily. So the Bible says, put on the armor of God. Make no provision for the flesh. Because men, one thing that can tear our lives apart is being addicted. And we don't think anyone else is struggling with that. The Bible says to make no provision. So get on covenant eyes. If you've got some other way to do it, do it for the glory of God. And why does the Bible tell us we need to stand? It says... In verse number 14, having taken the whole armor of God, you may be able to withstand in the evil day. It says that we don't wrestle. That's a wrestling terminology for those of you who enjoy fighting. It's a grappling terminology. We don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We wrestle against satanic deception. 
You say, Jeff, is Satan active in the world today? Well, my dad was a youth minister in the late 70s in Fort Worth, Texas. They were going through an expose, certain type of music that uh, was very, very influenced by uh, demons, demonic lyrics. And when they were going through this study on a Wednesday night, saying, these, if, you, if you put this into your mind, and by the way, I'm not talking about saying that if you have anything with a beat or any type of style of music, that that's the issue. But rather... Hey, how you doing, Steve? Awesome. Um, daylight savings time, right? Yeah, awesome. Um, that was cool. Here's what happened on a Wednesday night. They're talking about demonic manifestations and things of that nature. A boy gets about 70 students there in a gymnasium, the church, get, jumps down on all fours and starts banging his head on the concrete. Youth minister, the youth counselors go. It took four grown men to hold this kid down. My dad is, if you saw him, he is totally not a wild person. He doesn't read books on demonology and you haven't seen him on the so-called CBN Christian broadcast network. All right, Very normal person. Walked up to the kid and the counselors are there trying to hold this kid down. And he was just making guttural sounds that didn't really sound like himself. And my dad said, what is your name? So Jesus, in the Bible, casting out demons. And, and there's this guttural sound. And he said, what is your name? In the name of Jesus, what is your name? And he said this unearthly type of guttural, horrific, gravelly voice said, and I'm not going to try to imitate it, but it was K-I-L-L. Kill. So they began to pray for the boy. They tried to cast out the demon, but the boy's parents were, were church people. They were church people. And concluded that there was nothing wrong with their son, that he just needed secular psychiatric help. A couple of years ago, I had a friend from Central Asia. This guy was a Muslim. He came to America to train with the NATO he came and stayed with my house, and the area of Central Asia that he's from is very deep into uh, mysticism and opening your mind in meditation. Christians are to meditate, and it should be on the Word of God. We had a party for him, the gospel was presented, he was hearing truth, asking questions about Jesus. And on Saturday night, he slept in my bed, I slept on the couch. Sunday morning, he was very quiet, and then on the way to church, the first time ever he's going to a Christian church, he said, something happened last night. I said, what happened? He said, as I was about to go to sleep, he said, I, all of a sudden, a great fear came over me, and I sensed that there was something in the room. All right, I'm the next room over. And he said, I tried to call out for you to you for help. Now, this is a very strong guy. He's a paratrooper. Jumps out of planes with AK-74s. He's an expert in several martial arts. This is not a scared guy. He's in the special forces for his country. He said, I was so filled with fear and I tried to call out to you for help, but nothing would come out of my mouth. And then he said what kind of freaked me out, to be honest. He said, I felt that there was something trying to come into me. But then it left. You're driving to church... You've got a man who's from Central Asia 
and you had weapons in the room that he was staying in, what would you say? Drove for about 30 seconds and the Lord brought to my mind this passage. The Bible says, verse 12, For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against spiritual forces in the heavenly places. A very well-known missionary said that when he was in a very dark area of the world, he opened up his Bible to share the gospel with a person. And he says, see, it says right here. And he pointed the person to read the Bible in their own language. And they said, what, what do you mean? I don't see any words on that, in that book. He said, no, it's right here. They say, all I see is white. I'm not going to tell stories from, from Haiti. One of my friends, I'll tell this and then we'll conclude it. One of my friends who pastors a large church now was in, this is his story from Haiti. In um, Haiti, several years ago, they were going to show the Jesus film, and a voodoo priest organized a large rally, and they came thousands of people surrounding the small mission compounds where they had screens set up to show the Jesus film. And he said all of a sudden the local pastor was gone. He jetted. And Stan had three or four women with him here from the U.S. So they just dropped down on their knees and were praying, God, I think we're about to be killed. God, would you deliver us? Because when you're there in Haiti and the whole country is dedicated to voodoo and you go to show Jesus film, doesn't go over too well sometimes. So they begin to pray and God gave power to this local pastor who went out and actually found the witch doctor who was leading this procession and said, you need to take your people and leave. Now right there, that pastor could have been killed. But Stan and his team were crying out to the Lord, Lord, please protect us. Please defeat the plans of Satan here. And he said, the witch doctor looked down and said, okay. And they left. Terry Bryant, who's a great evangelist, who's ministered at churches I've been at before, he, he told the story of a missionary family he knew in a very remote region of the world to where the actual world still involved in demon worship, like worshiping actually demons. And the missionary, were, they were sharing the gospel, and a group of men from the town surrounded their house and said, we're going to kill you. And then nightfall came, the men were surrounding the house, but they didn't attack. They didn't attack. And one by one they left. Later, the missionary talked to one of the would-be attackers. He said, why didn't you attack? He said, because your house was surrounding by seven-foot-tall men with shining swords. Remember the story about the Gadarene or the Gerizim demoniac? This brother had so many issues, they tried to chain him up because he would terrorize the whole area. He would take stones and he would cut himself. Cutting, alright, students. It's a big thing today. This guy would cut himself. They would chain him up and he would break the chains. He would run naked and live in the cemetery. Imagine him at a new believers group. Hi, my name's Sam and Jesus saved me last week and he's helped me not be so greedy. Hi, my name is Sue. Jesus has saved me and he's helped me with my gossiping. Hi, my name is the former gathering demoniac and I used to run naked through graveyards screaming at the top of my lungs and cutting myself. Be awkward. But when he came to Jesus, Jesus cast the demons out of him. And the Bible said he came to his right mind. And then he knelt down on his knees and said, I will follow you. Wow. I don't want any one of you to walk away today scared of the enemy. 
But know that through Jesus Christ, He has destroyed the works of the devil. Amen? And through the armor of who He is, this is Jesus. Jesus is the warrior. He is the one who has conquered Satan. So the application today, before we close, is if you have never been saved, if you've never been saved, just right now, give your heart and your life to Jesus. We're going to give you an opportunity in just a few moments to make that public. You say, Jeff, I've never even looked at a Ouija board. I've never even seen Twilight. I don't even, you know, I don't even do anything creepy. Probably alienated most of the ladies here by cracking on Twilight. I'm not saying that's a demonic controlled movie, but it's cheesy. Anyway, but, but it's time to stand up for Jesus. If you're here and you need to join this church, we invite you to come and join with us to pray. To pray for people to be freed from depression and ultimately to be freed from addiction and sin because the warrior here is not us, but it's Jesus in us.